Welcome to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where pastor and author Matt Brown debriefs your questions about Christianity and current issues shaping our culture. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello. Hey, Don. How are you doing? Yes. It's good to see you. Good to be back with you. I feel like our series, this my series, it's not my series, this series, our church series, She, Her is going incredible. Yeah. I love it. This weekend, uh, Fredo was incredible. Yeah. Uh, Deborah. Um, So that was fantastic. And so it was fun to um, work with a young speaker on his sermon. And, you know, so I knew where the points were coming Mm -hmm. and it's like, and so it's, it's like watching a gymnast and you're like, Oh, okay. Okay. And he hit it. Okay. Okay. And he hit it. And so I was just like rooting for him. And so, you know, he landed the, you know, the, the, because preaching and, you know, you're a communicator, it's not just about, you know, the Holy spirit. It's, it's also about a craft. Like you have to be trained and willing to, you know, it's, it's, so for everyone who's totally offended, it was not just about the Holy Spirit. So think <laughs> about a musician saying, we're just going to follow the Spirit. Yeah. No, the Spirit is going to bless practice. That's right. And skill and bringing it together. And so it was neat to see Fredo uh, be full of the Spirit and to hit those points. It was so good. Yeah. I have read the story of Deborah, obviously, many, mm-hmm. many, many mm-hmm. times. I was so... It was so good. My best friend, she's on a sabbatical. And so she was able to come to church with me. And she just thought it was the most incredible sermon as well. But to hear him talk about the milk and honey, mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, come on, preach, Fredo. Yeah, right, right, right. It was so good. Yeah, for those of you who didn't hear it, so <laughs> God leads the people of Israel into the land flowing of milk and honey. And the, the Hebrew word for bee, he said honey bee, but the, I Debra. don't Yeah, it's, it's, it, bee. it's Deborah. Mm-hmm. So it means bee. So, um, and then uh, milk. Um, what's her name that kills JL. JL kills him. And uh, I'm going to send you the video roll call. Okay. My name is JL. Uh, oh, yeah. JL. yeah. You know, and dude, it's so hilarious. I see that. Um, the guy that does those. Yeah. It's so good. But, um, but uh, you know, she kills him with a tent peg after she fil- feeds him milk. milk. And yeah. so it's this idea that God is is moving through the lives of women yeah. to deliver Israel. Yeah. So good. Yeah. He called her Lady Thor or something like that. I was, it was cracking great. up when yeah. he said it. But um, and even the week before your message about how Jesus empowers women. I mean, mm. I was so deeply <clears throat> moved <clears throat> by that message because I felt like it was fully, fully, you know, just theological and scripturally mm. sound. But it was so liberating. Thank you. Yeah, it's been interesting to follow the comments on social media. Like, I, I, I'm just going to start a tally of how many times I'm called an imbecile. Did you guys see? <laughs> like, I was like, wow, this word's coming up a lot. Um, and, and and what it is, 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 you know, whenever we post something on the internet, that is going, you know, into a post-Christian, non-religious context. Yeah. And so people have already made up their own assumptions. They're not wrestling with the same things mm-hmm. that we're wrestling with in the church, and they think we're stupid. Yeah. And so it's just interesting. People are so insulting. Um, and I just, I don't know that I would ever just write that about somebody. Right. I would feel so bad to, right. just to say that. So Call them a name on the internet. Someone yeah, you don't I mean, even know. Oh, I know. Yeah. Imbecile. So I have been an imbecile from time to time. Yeah. This series has been really good. So we're going to get right into these questions. Mm-hmm. They are so good. Thank you everyone for sending in questions. You can go to move.sc to do a question or right there on the app. You can submit a question and these are great. So this mm. is Phil. Yes. And hey, Phil. Yep. Fill us up, Phil. <laughs> says, listening to Pastor Matt on many of the podcasts, I'm curious about his stance and definition on the inerrancy of scripture. Specifically, does he believe that the Bible is the inherent word of God? And if so, what does that mean? Or is 
the intent that is inspired or is it the intent that is inspired or is it the actual wording? Yeah. So Phil, thank you for uh, this great, great question. So um, the inerrancy of scripture is not something that happens until really the 19th century, the rise of uh, Darwinism, really the rejection of the Bible as a scientific Mm. book. And so it's Christians, conservative Christians scrambling to kind of prop up or um, restate that the Bible is the infallible word of God. Mm-hmm. And so this doctrine of inerrancy is something that, that comes about. And so if you don't know what it means, inerrant without error. Mm-hmm. And so so um, it's this idea that the Bible is without error. And so, this, it, Phil, if you look at um, the Sandal Statement of Faith, it says that we believe that the scriptures are inerrant in the original manuscripts. Mm. So that is kind of a challenge because we don't have the original manuscripts. And so let me give you an example that's going to blow everybody's mind. Are you ready for your minds to be blown? Ready. So go Google a picture of Moses, a sculpture by um, uh, Michelangelo, uh, any paintings in the Sistine Chapel, and you will see horns on his head. What does that make you think? Like if you saw a person <laughs> with horns on their head, who would that be a representation of in our the culture? Devil. The devil. Yeah. So why does Moses have horns on his head? And it's because when they translated the Bible, the manuscripts from Hebrew to Latin or from Greek to Latin, there was a misunderstanding about the Greek word goat and mm. the Greek word shine. <laughs> and so when Moses meets with God and he comes down from the mountain and he's shining with the glory of God Looks like a goat. for a couple hundred years, <laughs> the church thought, taught, and wrote in our manuscripts wow. that he had horns. Wow. So that's an error. Now, Correct. the original manuscript was right. The problem is we don't have the original manuscripts. And so people say, well, then how can we trust anything? Because there are about 50,000 total manuscripts between actual manuscripts and then quotations of manuscripts. And it is an actual beautiful thing where we can trace back and go, okay, here's where the mistake was made, and we can correct it. Um, So the Bible is the inherent Word of God. So here's what I would say is the Bible is infallible in the truth that it communicates regarding God, uh, how to be saved, and and how how to live the life that God has called us to live. Some people who are inerrantists, they say that's not far enough, they get all upset. But the bottom line is anybody who teaches inerrancy and then gets into an academic setting will will look foolish rather quickly mm-hmm. because they can point to, and if you have any modern Bible, and I'm not talking about the old King James, mm-hmm. any modern Bible, you're going to see all kinds of marks and points that will tell you that there's a, a manuscript error here, mm-hmm. a difficulty here, a challenge here. And so specifically, Phil, for um, you know the teaching on women uh, in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 33 through 35, I do not, for all of our listeners, I do not have a Bible in front of me. I do not have a notebook in front of me. So if I get this wrong, it's because I'm just quoting this from right. memory, but I believe it's 1 Corinthians 14, verses 33 through 35, that a woman should be uh, quiet in the church, as is, as is the practice in all the churches, as told in the law, yada, 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 something like that. Um, that is what is called a moving verse. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's in verse 33, sometimes it's in verse 35, sometimes it's in verse 40. So why is that, Phil? Here's my best guess. It is not a part of the original text. Mm-hmm. At some point, a scribe is trying to reconcile what Paul clearly teaches in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5, that a woman can speak in church when she prays and prophesies, but must do so with her head covered. So how do I reconcile that with what I read in, um, is it 1 Timothy mm-hmm. 2.10 or 2 Timothy 2.10? You guys, I don't have my Bible in front of me. So, um, so... Yeah. 
It's, it's, it's either 1 Timothy 2.10 or 2 Timothy 2.10. Yeah, it's 1 Timothy Okay, 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. So that's the one prohibitive passage that we have about women speaking in the church. And I have a whole opinion on that passage. Um, and so it's a scribe trying to reconcile what seems to be mm-hmm. a disagreement. Mm-hmm. And so that's the problem with inerrancy. Inerrancy says that the scriptures never disagree. Well, when you read Paul, we're saved by grace through faith alone. Mm-hmm. And then you read James, who says, if you show me your faith apart from works, your faith is dead. dead. Yeah. That's a difficult. Mm-hmm. And so we have to negotiate with the text in order to figure out what is the meaning. And so um, I was actually listening to R.C. Sproul. Man, he was preaching with an oxygen tank, you guys. Right. Like, yeah. So right before he died, he, he was having some lung disease. But he said it this way. It's not the faith that we profess that saves us. He says it's the faith we possess. Mm. So how do you know when someone... So like, you know, you think about uh, our Easter messages Anybody want to give your life to Christ, stand up, point your finger. Okay, were all of those people instantly saved? No. Mm. Some of them professed faith. Yeah. Some of them in that moment possessed faith. Mm-hmm. So how do you know when you, what's the difference between professing faith and possess, possessing faith changes you? Yeah. Okay, I am, and again, it's not about perfection. I, I couldn't believe John MacArthur, uh, you know, he and I don't often agree, but um, he said exactly what I've been saying. It's not about perfection, it's about the direction of your life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. I'm, I'm quoting John MacArthur, or, or he's <laughs> quoting me. I'm sure I'm right. quoting him because he's way older. So so the way that we know somebody is saved is there's a difference in your yeah. life. If there's no there's difference in your life, right. like if I told you guys on the way to the debrief today, I got hit by a bus going 60 miles an hour, who mm-hmm. would believe me? I, no. I, no yeah, Terrell would. <laughs> so Terrell's part of the cult. He drank the juice. Um, no, if I got hit by a bus, you'd see. The difference. The difference. If you got hit by the son of God. That's good. There's a difference. That's right. And so... Um, so, so there are challenges, Phil, within scriptures. Some people get really, really upset about that. Here's the thing, Phil. There is no other ancient manuscript in the history of the world that's even close mm-hmm. to the reliability of what we have in our text. Any textual critic in the world will have to tell you that amongst all the ancient manuscripts, nothing stands close um, to the reliability of our scriptures. Now, having said that, is it perfect in its translation? No, because it's translated by people mm-hmm. and they make mistakes. And, um, you know, I, I shared this with our pastors is for everybody who's critical. I said, I said, I want you to imagine. So all of our pastors are in this room. I want everybody to stand up. And so I, I said, Nero's hunting us. We're being persecuted. We're being killed. I'm dead. Mm-hmm. I, I can read, write and speak Hebrew. I can work my way through Greek. I said, I'm dead. Now you guys have to translate the scriptures. Right. Cause remember they're written on paper, right? So think about your grandma's book that's leather-bound in a home. It's aging. These are scrolls. These have to be translated. Now, all of our leaders who've had seminary training, you're all imprisoned and you're all killed. And then I said, who are the pastors that are left that have no biblical training? I said, now you have to translate this. And I handed, it was Aurelio. (laughs) I I handed Aurelio. I said, you have to translate this because the hope of the world depends upon it. (laughs) So. Not everybody who translated the scriptures was an expert, and mm-hmm. people did the best they could. And remember, they're running for their lives. Here's mm-hmm. my opinion, Phil, on the book of Mark, why we don't have an ending to the book mm-hmm. of Mark. So if this is a scroll, and for those people who aren't, um, aren't watching, I'm rolling up our notes. And so if I hand you a scroll and it's on fire, yeah, because that's what the Romans did. They, mm-hmm. set, they set our manuscripts on fire because they hated, Nero hated Christians. Mm-hmm. 
And the book of Mark is probably translated from Peter's sermons in Rome. So it's circulated first. The gospel of Mark is circulated first in Rome. It's on fire. So I don't know which way they rolled it, but either the beginning of Mark would be lost okay. or the ending. Yeah. And that's why we don't have the ending. Because think about this. this it, it is a miracle of God that we have the book of Mark. It perhaps came down to the last translation of that book. Mm. It's a miracle of God that we have it. And so that's why, Phil, when you read the book of Mark, there'll be alternative endings. This is where we get all the weird snake handler churches because they take that passage. It's also, in my opinion, why many churches believe in regenerative baptism. You have to be baptized to be saved because I think the book of Mark is a summary of Acts. That's mm -hmm. what I think it is, the ending that we have. And scribes were like, because where does it end? The women met the resurrected, resurrected Jesus and they ran in fear. Mm -hmm. That's not a good way. It's not a good way to end this story. And so they were like, okay, we, we got to add something here. And so, um, so Mark, the original Mark was without error. It was inerrant. That's right. But the church is not perfect. Leaders are not perfect. And here's why, Phil, I think God in his sovereignty allowed our manuscripts to not be perfect because he doesn't want us to worship a book. Mm -hmm. He wants us to worship Jesus. That's right. And I think that that's so important. Um, you know, and, and again, like if you compare it to the Quran, they say, well, we have one copy. Well, Christianity and, and Islam spread completely differently. Islam spread through conquering people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's, you, 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 have, you have a different uh, ability to translate when I come and conquer you and enslave you and say, you are now Muslim right. versus Christianity where we were running for our lives mm -hmm. and our manuscripts were being burned. So, uh, Phil, I would so say good. I have a very, very high view of scripture. Um what I would say is I'm a current preacher interpreting an ancient text to a modern world, trying to teach the current Christian how to be obedient to this text. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to do. Now, um, I think some inerrantists are just kind of stuck in a can, and they don't think that they have to negotiate with the text at all for us to understand this in the modern world. I think we do. Mm -hmm. and, and, and because the Bible is not just the Word of God, it was spoken to a group of people in a specific time. Um, you know, I was talking to one of our listeners, and he'll know who he is. He was really kind of taken aback by why I talked about um, the fact that the rapture is a relatively new teaching, and he was correct. And what I was really addressing is is the pre-trib rapture. Right. So the churches always believe that God is going to come and get us, mm -hmm. so that we will be caught up with Him in the air. That's the that's the word harpoturo, caught up with Him. But the, this the, this understanding that we get caught up with Him. And then he takes us away and then judges the earth. Like so the, the traditional understanding is when Jesus shows up, yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. It's over. There's not two comings. And so pre-trib creates all of these technological issues um, and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, he, oh man, shoot, I just lost my point. What was my point? <laughs> mm. The guy. Yeah, but it was before that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, okay, thank you. So he was making a comment. There's this famous Bible, and I wouldn't call him a scholar. I don't even know if he could read and write Hebrew. His name was Chuck Missler, uh, very, very famous in the Calvary Chapel movement. I don't think he had a working understanding mm. of Hebrew. I could be wrong, mm -hmm. but I've heard him say some things where I'm like, that, that's yeah. not true. Um, now, I make mistakes, so Chuck Missler just could have made a mistake, you know, um, as I have. But... You know, um, this listener said, you know, um, he, his comment was because, you know, he's for pre-trip people. They said, Jesus is not an abusive husband. Mm. Well, that sounds great. But tell that to the early church mm -hmm. when you're being 
your head's being Persecuted. cut off, mm -hmm. your skin is being burned alive, you're running for your life. And, and, if, and if you don't believe me, read the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is about a persecuted church right. who's lost everything. And the persecution is so bad in chapter 6 and chapter 10, some people are walking away from their faith mm -hmm. and recanting Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's where Paul says, those who have abandoned their faith, it is impossible for those who have tasted of the Holy Spirit to be that's saved right. and brought back. Right. Because, so, so, so I, I hear what he's saying, but... If you read the book of Revelation, the dragon is chasing the woman. Mm -hmm. It's chasing the woman. That's not just a picture of what's going to happen in the in the tribulation. That is what was happening to the first century yeah. church. And so, you know, so many people, when they read the end times, they, they fail to recognize that the book of Revelation served as an encouragement for people who thought they were in the great tribulation. Yeah. So... Uh, the Apostle Paul, Peter, James, John, all thought Jesus was returning in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. They all thought. That's why I right. said every pastor who has ever preached on this has been wrong. You know, that's why <laughs> right. the Apostle Paul counseled people not to get married, right. not to have children, because he thought, thought he the coming. return of that's Christ right. was imminent, and 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 it was, and it is. So. We, we have to reconcile that. And that's not to criticize Peter, Paul, James, or John. They wrote the scriptures. What they wrote was inerrant. They're just understanding as you read the text is Jesus is coming tomorrow, man. Yeah. Absolutely. And you better, you better, you better be ready. And, and that is true. Right. He could come today right. and you better be ready. But for everyone who said he's coming today, they've been wrong. Yeah. All the people in the eighties that yeah. told us that he was coming. Yeah. So 1989 or oh, forget man. what it was. Y2K. He, oh, yeah, he was coming in yeah. Y2K. And I think this is so good. I, I love your wrestle with the scriptures. Yeah. And I think all of us need to have a, a greater understanding that there's more. It's not just, you know, what we've learned or what yeah. it says on the surface, but and this be is willing important to dig yeah, into. This is, yeah. This is important for your kids because they're going to go to college and they're going to take some Christian studies class. And if you've told your kids that there are no errors in the translation, yeah. the second that professor points that right. out to your kid, they're going to freak out. Your kid, they're <laughs> going to freak out and they're going to think that you've been lying. Yeah, absolutely. So don't do that. Um, you know, it's not one book. It's 66 books mm -hmm. with different authors in different times in a different context. And at times it is difficult to reconcile the differences of what is said in individual books with individual mm -hmm. authors in different times. It just yes. is. Um, and that, and that's, that's just a challenge. Now, is it still the word of God? Yes. That's is right. it still authoritative? Absolutely. Yeah. Am I betting my life and the lives of my children and my soul that's on the right. fact that what it says is true? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And if that's not enough for you, <laughs> right. yeah. you know, that was good. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, yeah, it's God. It's scripture is God breathed. Mm -hmm. It's, it is powerful yes. and it's two edged sword and we need the word of God. Yep. Um, and I think I know you know, I've learned so much from you in just really being willing to be open to the spirit of God and say, okay, what are you saying here? Right. Not based on what I've learned in the past, what yeah. my tradition has been or what mm. I've always thought, even about the rapture. Someone actually messaged me and was like, someone told me that pastor Matt said on the debrief that, you know, something about the rapture. And I was like, well, what he was trying to say is that mm. it is both futuristic and it is for the press. It was written for the church yeah, at yeah. that point right mm -hmm. there. But um, I said there are four passages in the Bible that speak about the rapture. Yeah. I did not say the Bible does not speak about the right. rapture. I yeah. said there are four passages. Um, you know, one of them is, is a conversation that Jesus has in Matthew. Um, 
And, and, and when you read those passages, they don't fit in my understanding mm-hmm. with the Left Behind series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which, well. <laughs> which is a fictional <laughs> right. series. You know, and it was a great series. It I mean, I, I read it. Um, great Christian book. But, you know, this idea of us all disappearing and our clothes dropping on the floor and planes crashing and cars crashing, that That's is a creative sure. understanding, you know, um, that I, you just don't see in in the text. Yeah. Um, did you guys do that? Did you go to Christian school, college, and you guys did that? Did you guys play Rapture? You guys didn't? Yeah. Well, we would do that to our dorm. Yeah. How many of you guys have heard the text, <laughs> one will be left, one will be taken in the field? Yeah. Yeah. Those who are taken are taken to where the vultures are. <laughs> no. So it's ex- so so right. so the people that are left behind <laughs> right. are the Christians. Right. The people who are taken, read that passage. They're taken to the to the where the dead people are mm-hmm. for judgment. Like yeah. it's like I remember when I read that, I'm like, this is the exact opposite. I was yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot of scriptures that we we preach out of context. You know, I right. mean, how many evangelistic sermons have you heard? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's not a salvation message. That's Jesus standing outside the church, right. knocking on the door, <laughs> saying, hey, "Hey, believers, I'd love to be a part of this service." <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're learning. We're growing. Let's keep rolling. So. Yeah, I'll the rapture going. is real. Oh man, the other thing I heard the other day, someone <laughs> confronted me. Well, you you support the BLM, and I said no. I said, why didn't the church come up with the yeah. slogan "Black Lives Matter"? Right. Why didn't we come up with that? It's a great slogan. Black yeah. people do matter. Yeah, but people hear that. Here's here's in our culture, people hear what they want to That's hear right. and what they're afraid you are saying. Yeah. Um, I lost a good uh, friendship, 30 year friendship with a black friend of mine because I said, I care for black people. I told him, I do not care for the black lives matter movement. I'm not a Marxist. Right. I, you know, I, I, I believe that gender is binary. Right. I mean, there's so many things a part of, um, you know, this movement that are anti-Christian. Yeah. Now, do black people matter? Yes, that's Christian, but there's there's a whole nother part of it. But he heard me say, you don't care about black people. Yeah. And I was like, I right. care about you. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, I was completely confused. And so it just, you know, it's just so difficult. You know, an organization can be partly right. That's. It. I mean, there are things about the Republican Party that I agree with. And then there are things where I'm like, this is horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, but I get judged you know, because maybe Trump says something I agree with. And then they're like, oh, you're all about Trump. Yeah. No, he actually drives me crazy. Right. But sometimes what he says is right. He never says it the right way. But sometimes what he says is right. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean, you know, I, I you don't agree with, with every I don't agree with what I says. say. Yeah. I, I don't, you know. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Dude. <laughs> Go back and disagree what you said. On your... Yeah, there's yeah. a question on here where. You know, when we get to it, I can't remember which one it is, but I'm like, I don't know what I said. Is that what I said? Did yeah. I say Lydia is a... Oh, I, I read that. I was like, I don't... I actually went back in the notes to go, did he say yeah, that? I, I don't remember him saying yeah, that, I but I couldn't find... But you might have. Um, but people judge based on sound bites. Yeah. Right? And like you said, I think they're... I love that you said they're afraid of what they think you're saying. Yeah. And it's because I feel like we've all been on edge yeah. for the last four or five years over just yeah. rhetoric. I, I mean, we're just all on edge. Here's my dream candidate whoever, Democrat or Republican, they run on this platform. I'm going to do nothing for four years. <laughs> you will not see me. I will not come out. Wow. I will do nothing. I will leave you alone for <laughs> yeah. four years. I'm voting for that person. Yeah. Don't do anything. Just stop doing things. You know, it's, it's like, can you just leave us alone <laughs> I love and that. go away? I, I would love a president where we're like, who? Who? Like, we don't know. 
Like, just go away. <laughs> and because what's happening is the left and right are in this cultural war. And we, That's right. it, here's what it feels like. We got a mom and dad who are divorced and right. dad's a Republican, mom's a Democrat. And, and they just want us to hate the other one. That's right. Rather than doing what's right for the kids. Mm-hmm. You want to do something right for the kids? Shut up. Go away. Just leave us alone. Let us get back to our lives and figuring this out. But, yeah. you know, they, they can't raise money no. if, if we, it, they don't get us to hate each other. Yeah. If they don't say things that inflame the other group and, mm-hmm. you know, I listen to, I, we're totally on different questions right now, whatever, yeah. but I listen to, you know, I'll listen to sound bites of e- both sides, Republicans. I'm like, that is so, I mean, it's clickbait, you know, I mm-hmm. know that what you're trying to say, but you are just trying to get a, yeah. inflame the other side and we are never going to get anywhere like this. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Dude. Yeah. And BLM is a sham. Yeah, Most of us have come to see that at yeah, this point. And it's, it was a sham for me. Think about all the money we could have used to help black people that are in poverty and, and none of that. They bought homes for their families and cars. Yeah. And it's just it's just so gross. I was um hanging out with this cop and um he was on the um um the uh they don't call him Jewish. Uh, what did he say? Um I can't remember what word he used to describe, but he said that there was like Israeli mafia in LA. I was like, What? <laughs> I was like you know, Israel has like eight people. They yeah. have mafia. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he was like, he was like, yeah. And and I, wow. so I was talking with uh, Moshe, our um, our guide in Israel, and he goes, he goes, Jews are people too. Yeah. He goes, right. we got bad people. Right. And I was like, oh, I thought you were the chosen people. Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah. he goes, we may be chosen, but he goes, not all of us are great. Yeah. But you know, we just think that I don't know. It it blew my mind that a country as small as Israel, the LAPD has to have <laughs> an Israeli task force to deal with. Um, you know, things that happen and these organizations target other Jews. Right. Wow. Cause you're not paying your dues. I mean, same thing with the Italian mafia. So you have an Italian laundromat, they're coming after you. You got to pay your dues for right. me to protect you. And if you don't protect, you don't let me protect you. I'll break your legs. Yeah. And so the same thing happens in black communities, white Every communities. Community. Uh, I was actually um, meeting with a church in Sacramento last week and they're Russian um, and Ukrainian. He said this war has destroyed their church. So the oh. same thing that's happened with a lot of our churches with black people and white people, he said has happened in the in their church. Mm-hmm. So their ethnicity is right. a stronger bond than their faith. Yeah. And and that would make Jesus weep. Yeah, absolutely. He said it split their whole church. Mm-hmm. They've been together for 30 years, built buildings. They had some pastors were Russian, some were Ukrainian, whole church destroyed. Split. Because of Putin. Yeah. I, I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, and, um, hmm. you know, and I, and I've lost friendships, you know, uh, what was the police officer that killed George Floyd? Was it Derek Chauvin? Yeah. I don't, I don't know him. Do you know, I don't know all white people. <laughs> I know that. Just like, like I never, I never like met him. Like all black people don't look alike. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know him. I, and, yeah. and, but all of a sudden, and then a friend of mine who never met George Floyd. Hmm. Okay. Derek Chauvin's a bad guy. George Floyd's a bad guy. Right. Bad yeah. guy. Yeah. Like did terrible things. Right. But these two people who turns out knew each other personally. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Now you and I can't be, I, I, so it, the, the Christian people, church is just, we're broken because yeah. of our ethnicity. It's, yeah. it's sad. And people were looking for someone to blame during that time. And, um, and it was evil. It was gross. It was evil and it was gross. Yeah. So. I, oh, I'm wondering. Okay. I'm going to share it anyway. You know, during that time I was on, have I shared this? I was on a prayer meeting with a friend, um, she called like a midnight prayer thing. <clears throat> so because weird, of the George Floyd, 
it was because of the whole, it was George Floyd and it was the church at that time and it was just witchcrafty and there was weird stuff going on. Hmm. And um, she, I was watching this Harriet Tubman thing on um, TV and I fell asleep watching Harriet hmm. Tubman and uh, I was trying to take a nap before I had to wake up and pray at midnight. Yeah. And so I just remember while we were praying and it was right between the election, George Floyd, it was like a weird mm. time. Um, I remember closing my eyes and seeing um, a slave come up out the ground. Now, I know wow. this is really crazy, yeah. um, but I remember praying. I was praying with, with these women online, and we were praying. We were praying for the nation. We were praying for the church. And I saw almost like Marley, you mm. know, from, from Scrooge. Isn't yeah. that Marley? Like chains and shackles oh, yeah. on yeah. his arms and his feet and while I was praying, I see this come up out the ground and I'm like, Lord, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> Freaks me out. Yeah. Um, it's freaking me out. <laughs> and I could see it with my eyes closed and I'm opening my eyes and I'm praying and I could see this. And, and I really felt like for me, and I was mainly praying with a group of African-American women. There was lots of women, but mm. primarily it was African-American women. And, um, I heard the Lord. I felt like I heard the Lord say, let's say it like that. Mm. I felt like I heard the Lord say, do not partner um, with a spirit of oppression. Mm. Because I felt like during that time, um, things got really crazy. And of course, people back into their corners and there was my white friends were calling me like, are you okay? Is everything mm. okay? My Hispanic friends are, are you guys doing all right? And um, I felt like it, when these things happen, especially around election time, um, and they start showing like, oh, this black person got killed. And oh, yeah. by the way, I mean, I'm like, it's happening all the time. But during any kind of election or anything, you're going to see it all over the news. I felt like the Lord was saying it, it's very easy for African-Americans to just uh, get into this space um, where you partner with the spirit of oppression. And you go, well, now I'm oppressed and everybody's mm. an enemy and everybody is, you know, against me. And and nothing has ever changed. And mm. and it's so easy um to fall into that place. But especially as believers, we have to go, no, no, no. The spirit of God liberates me. Mm -hmm. um, my brothers and sister in Christ are my brothers and sister in Christ. And I cannot allow even things that have happened in the past to cause me to run to my corner and not, mm -hmm. you know, walk in alignment with my brothers and sisters mm -hmm. in Christ. And I said it to these women <laughs> and I remember, and it was online and I remember they were all like, amen, 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 and amen. Like we're mm -hmm. not going to, get to this place, it, it would be so easy to just partner with a spirit of oppression and say, oh, I'm oppressed. Mm -hmm. Oh, nothing's ever changed. Mm -hmm. Oh, the white people are the enemy. And especially as believers, we have to be so careful about that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, amen. And and I think one of the things I've appreciated about you is is don't be afraid to criticize your own group. I, I, yeah. And so like I was really proud of Candace Owen this week. Um, you know, and I don't agree with everything Candace Owen says. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, girl, please. Yeah. She just, she, you know, I mean, I mean, you guys have edited me. <laughs> so like we all, we all go on rants, but you know, but you know, she was criticizing Crowder uh, because of how he treated his wife on video. And what I love what she said is she said, people think I'm just an apologist for the right. Mm. She said, I am an apologist for the right thing. Mm. And she said, my friend is wrong. Mm -hmm. And the way he spoke to his wife yeah. is wrong. And right. I was really proud of her because I think that what we need to do uh, to have integrity is to police our own groups. That's right. And, and to challenge. And so I just appreciate just you, uh, in that. And so thank yeah. you for sharing. You freaked me out. Now I got, I'm going to have dreams about a black ghost coming up with chains. <laughs> it was, I, I just I need know, to add that to my list. Sometimes I see things. It's I weird. Just, that, I'm going to add that to my list. <laughs> yeah.
It was an interesting yeah. experience. I'm gonna, if I'm you not, can I'm ever imagine. With you guys tonight, okay. So. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Okay. And moving right along yes. to CC and Riverside. Hopefully kids weren't listening. I know. Are you guys okay? Story time with Donna. <laughs> All right. Cece and Rivera said, in a debrief last year, you addressed a question about how to address an issue of same-sex attraction in someone's child and to love them and lead them in grace. My question is, what would be your advice about a, an adult child living that lifestyle, but wanting to visit and bring their partner to stay with mm. us? Though I want to be loving, should I be concerned about allowing them to stay in our home as though we are condoning the relationship consciously, allowing that sin to enter our home? Yeah, it's a tough yeah. CC, it's just really, really tough. And so, um, you know, I'm assuming, yeah, so this is an adult child living that lifestyle, but wanting to visit and bring their partner to stay with us. Um, I, I think you, you need to, you need to have a real conversation with your loved one and just say, okay, where, where are the boundaries here? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the LGBTQ T plus, did I get I, it right? I, yeah. Movement has moved from tolerate and acceptance to celebration. Mm-hmm. And so like, I mean, I, I was just going through my calendar. Did anybody see on your, on your Apple calendar? It says LGBTQ plus starts today. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Now that's on my phone. Yeah. Like it's like Christmas or Easter mm-hmm. or, you know, Ramadan mm-hmm. or anything. I'm like, what is this? And it's just this, it's this. So what I would say is in any relationship, there has to have a give and take. So let's, let's make a, a different issue that's a little less um, controversial. Let's say you guys don't drink. Right. And your adult children want to have alcohol in your home. I would never ask my parents mm-hmm. to let me bring alcohol into their home because I need to honor them. Yeah. Regardless of what I think about alcohol or not, mm-hmm. I would never force my parents mm-hmm. to do something I believe uh, force them to do something I believe was wrong. And I would just say that in a relationship as an adult, we want to respect and honor you, but we want you to respect and honor us. Mm -hmm. And I would just have a conversation. What does that look like? And if your adult child can't see that, Mm -hmm. then, then you have other issues. And so this is the thing I, I would just encourage, um, so many of my friends who are dealing with friends who are gay, oftentimes that's not the issue. The issue is a lack of respect. Mm-hmm. The issue is a laugh, lack of honor. And the, the issue is a, is a self-centeredness. I get to do whatever mm-hmm. I want to do. And if you don't approve, then you hate me. Yeah. And it's like, so, so I as a person, let's say Donna was gay or trans or bi. So Donna, do I have to completely disappear and lose everything that I am for right. you to be everything that you are? Right. And, th- and and I don't, and I think if that's the case, then we can't be in relationship. Right. So wh- where might I need to compromise? Where might you need to compromise? And what does this look like to function in a relationship? And, um, you know, I have some, uh, a good friend who, uh, child is gay and, and I, I just, the issue is not homosexuality the issue is self-centeredness and religious so let's not just pick on gay people religious people can be the same way mm-hmm. you know it, once you get saved you become this jerk and you're terrible to everybody mm-hmm. and everybody has to conform to who you are and your understanding of jesus and the scriptures in church right whoa mm-hmm. you know real relationships require compromise dialogue and mutual respect that's right and so what i would push you know and, and as far as i know none of my kids are gay but if, if they were, what I would encourage them to do is, is how do we honor each other in this where we disagree? And so for me, Cece, one of the lines would be is, 
is I don't want any kind of sex outside of marriage in my That's home. Right. Gay or straight. Mm -hmm. So I believe that sex is a sacred thing. Mm -hmm. And how can we honor each other in that? And maybe that looks like when you come to visit, you stay at a hotel and we still connect. Yeah. And that might be totally offensive to them, but it's, it's just, it's, we, you want them to know that you honor them as a person, but they need to honor you as a religious person. And that's what adulting looks like is we have to function because, and so if the child is demanding that you completely cater to them, they're acting as a child. Yeah. If you as an adult are saying they have to completely placate to everything you believe you are acting as a child, how do we come together as sensible adults and say, look, we disagree. And, and here's the problem in our culture. We have conservatives in my movement, right? Wanting to turn back the clock to the 1950s, mm-hmm. um, which not everything was great in the 1950s. Right. Like you and I wouldn't have been doing this. Right, so, exactly. Okay. So there was some ugliness in the 1950s. And then we have progressives that are just inventing biology <laughs> and are, um, you know, d- destroying, I believe, young people who are confused. That's right. I believe it is, a, it is a more difficult time to be a young person than any other time. And now we've put on their plate, mm-hmm. not just career, not just like navigating never ending content, but now you have to pick your gender and discover who you really are because biology is not it's helping. Fluid. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're messing up these kids. And so to say, look, how do we, how do we do this together um, and, and, and so here's the thing is as parents, if you have gay kids, your job is to love those kids and, and, and to be there for them, hold your ground where you have to, but do it in love mm-hmm. and kindness. Um, but hold your ground and, and don't, you know, let some things go. Like, um, the other day, somebody in our church was just commenting on their grandchild's long hair. I, I go, let it go. Mm-hmm. Like the list of things to be concerned about right. and offended about, like if that's your, you know, um, like I don't have tattoos. I don't like tattoos. If my kids have tattoos, okay, whatever. That's, you know, that's a personal preference and you really have to choose, okay, what's preference and what's, what's, what's theology. And Mm so, um, cause at the end of the day, CC, what, what you really want is your kid to know God. Yeah. And, um, and the one true God says that sex is sacred and, and it should be shared in the context of marriage between a man and a woman. And that is, different sometimes than the desires that we have as people. Yeah. But I have desires all the time that are different from God's and I have to choose. And, and here's the thing is, um, we think that re- we think that reading the Bible gives us knowledge of God. Reading the Bible gives us knowledge about God. Obedience gives us knowledge of God. And so if people really want to know, and I answered this question, remember the, 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 um, the, the gay gal that said, Hey, I really want to, I want to start serving so the first act of service, the Bible right. says, let our bodies be a living sacrifice, yeah. holy and acceptable and pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. So where do we, where does service begin? It begins not by passing out um, bulletins, not by working in kids ministry. Right. It doesn't begin by being on the production team. It begins by saying, God, my body is your body. Yeah. You bought this with a price and I'm going to honor you with this. And so um, I can't believe we haven't got this question by any of our um, gay friends at Sandals Church. Um, I can't believe anybody hasn't asked, so if we're changing our views on women, why are we not changing it on LGBTQ? So I'm just going to answer this. Because when it comes to women, the Bible speaks differently in different texts. Mm -hmm. There are nine passages on same sex. None of them are affirming. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So think about that. A text that comes to us over a period of thousands of years by different authors in different times speaks in a uniformed voice when it comes to gay sex. Mm -hmm. The role of women is different. Mm -hmm. So, so that's why I I just can't believe that we haven't gotten that question. Um, And so we just need to know there are no passages in scripture that come close to affirming gay sex, gay intercourse. Matter of fact, they indicate the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. So much so that in Corinthians, which is an undisputed book by Paul. So just to blow Phil's mind, not all (laughs) scholars believe that the apostle Paul wrote all of the books that are attributed to Paul. Corinthians is unanimously, I, I don't know of a scholar on earth that doesn't believe Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Paul says that if you continue in same-sex intercourse, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So I have to preach that. You're right. As uncomfortable as it is, and if you're gay, I am not your friend if you stand before Jesus one day right. and I did not tell you right. the truth. And, and I want everyone to listen to me. If we're, if, if we're on an airplane, and by the way, why does God hate me? I got on an air. I got on an airplane. You guys, flying from Sacramento. The pilot comes out with his microphone, and he says, "Hey guys," and I go, "This is not good." <laughs> he goes, "We have a new pilot today, and he's going to, for the first time, take off, fly, and land." He goes, "Don't panic. I'll be here the whole time." What do you think I'm doing? Panicking. I'm panicking. <laughs> I'm like, Lord. <laughs> He knew the Lord knew you were on the flight, so that if it there yeah. needed to be some prayer coming down. So let's say you that plane. <laughs> so let's say that plane crashes and there's only one exit. But I tell people to pray about choosing the yeah, exit of their desires. I am a terrible person. That's right. If yeah. I don't say mm-hmm. there's one way out, right? And I want everyone listening to me, gay, straight, young or old, there is one way out and his name is Jesus mm-hmm. and he gave his whole body for you. And how dare you say that you only give him part of your body? Mm-hmm. That is gross. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Our Jesus died on the cross fully naked for you. He gave it all. The least we can do, the least we can do is offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable and pleasing Amen. to him. And so in Romans, the first 11 chapters are all about what God did for us. Romans 12, now it's your turn. Mm -hmm. What do you do for God? Therefore, therefore, what's the therefore? It's therefore, right? So that you can change and live. And, And our gospel is weak. Our gospel is a gospel of feelings. It's a gospel of you choose. That mm-hmm. is not the gospel of That's the scriptures. Right. The gospel of the scripture says, come and die for come me and die. because I died for you. And so, so anyway, so Cece, um, you know, love your kids, love them, love them, love them. God loves them. God is for them. God sent his son to die on the cross for them. Um, but he did not send, um, you know, his son to die on the cross so we could continue doing what we do. Mm-hmm. He sent us to save us from what we do. Yeah, so, so good. Yeah. So, I think Cece, I'll be praying for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think those drawing those lines and saying that that has been the thing with LGBTQ. It's it is there is no room. No, no room. You accept me or you don't. Yeah. And then there's the posters go. Well, if your parents don't accept you, I'm your mom now. And it's like, what <laughs> what happened, right? I know. Um, and I think it's it's an. Uh, mature conversation, like you said, to say, Hey, I love you, but mm. these are the things in my home that I do not tolerate. These are the things in my home that, yeah. that we do not do. And Cece, just so you know, I mean, I'm going through this, um, uh, someone very close to me is trans. Um, 
And they listened to my first sermon on he, she, and they did not like it. Hmm. And uh, I don't know that they've cut me off. Um, did I say she, her? What did you I say? You say he, she. He, she, sorry. <laughs> she, her. Um, so remember, you know how you say she in Hebrew, he. Right. So that's why I keep same getting thing, same thing. Yeah. Um, he, her. I'm speaking Spanglish. Um, <laughs> you know, and I said, so he said, I guess you're not coming with me to the gay pride parade. And I said, no, but I love you. Mm-hmm. And his response was a, a laughing emoji. Yeah. Because for him, if I don't affirm, I hate him. And yep. so here's the thing as a Christian, <laughs> we can neither hate gays yeah. nor affirm gays mm-hmm. because the Bible says we can't do either. If you hate a gay person, you are violating scripture. That's right. If you affirm gay sex, you are violating scripture. So it's a tough thing, but it's a real thing. And, um, you know, LGBTQ plus used to stand for diversity and inclusion, and it is not. It is not diversity. Mm-hmm. It is conformity. It yeah. is you believe what we believe. It is a cult. It is a religious movement. Yeah. Um, and they're coming for our kids. You know, we, we, we talked about, we talked about, you know, um, I think I said that, can you imagine if we were secretly baptizing kids? I'm going to go one step further. I want you to imagine we're secretly circumcising kids mm-hmm. at school without parental consent. So... That's wrong, but circumcision is cutting off a small portion of the penis. Mm -hmm. Potentially what's happening is the complete (laughs) castration of the penis Mm -hmm. and the testicles. It is body mutilation. Now, um, here's what I said to my loved one. You know, he's in his forties. Look, if you, if you can, if you can, if you, if there's no way you can live your life as a male, and, and the only chance at happiness you think you have is a female. That's fine for you. This is a free country. Mm-hmm. But I don't have to believe it. I don't have to agree with it. And I don't have to stand for children yeah. to be encouraged to make those yeah. choices. Because children should not be forced to choose anything that is forever. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I'm telling everybody, we are going to get sued. You know, think about the rep- <laughs> reparations for, you know, for, oh, yeah. for what's happened to black just, people. I just... I want you to think 2050. Yeah. There's going to be reparations for, and here's the thing. We all knew it was wrong. Mm. Like, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like we, we've not been raised this way. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like if you were racist 50 years ago, you were raised that way. We've not been racist. We were being right. re-raised. Yeah, like you just like, you know, I mean, you got to give some grace to, to some of these people because they were ignorant. They didn't know. We know. We know this what is gender wrong. is. That's right. And, and, and we know that this is. And, and, and by the way, oh, I watched this video of this trans person um, who uh, had her um, parents edit. Don't listen. To, I don't want your kids to hear this. Give you a second. Turn it off. Scrambling. Cars are crashing. <laughs> so they made her clitoris a penis. Yeah. And she has pubic hair that are now growing inside her urethra. Because think about when they're putting all that skin together. Right. She had a six inch hair. In her urethra. You want to imagine what that feels like no, to try to pee? absolutely don't. She's in pain every day. Yeah. And the, the hospital will not fix it because she lost her insurance. Oh, my gosh. So so w- when you go through these hormonal changes, it, it messes with your body. Like, th- that. that's one example of what happens when we try to magically change one thing into another. Yeah. Horrific pain bladder infections, UTIs, you name right. it because you can't that you I've been watching the yeah. the video of Jazz who was like the kid, the first yeah. trans kid and how her I don't know if you've seen this video on Instagram uh-uh. but the mom 
is talking about how she has to force Jazz to use her, what is that thing? An, like an opener. So so she has to use like a tool to, to o- keep opening the vagina that they made oh. for her. What's, oh. What is it called? Yeah. They, so they kind of, so she's saying like, she won't do it. And if I, if she, you know, yeah. if that thing closes up again, you know, yeah. I'm going to be mad at her. And so she's, she's talking about how she's going to, you know, bang on her door and make sure that she's using this opener all the right. time. And I'm thinking this is insanity. This is Munchausen's by proxy. Like yeah. you are living something crazy through your kids. And I feel like I, I, because I the body asking, is trying to do the body is trying to close a wound. The body is trying to heal itself. Yeah. I keep asking myself who is behind this? Like 10, five years ago, I, no one would have imagined there'd be babies at drag shows. Right. right? watching drag show no. story hour or, and sometimes it's not even the story hour. It's not just this flamboyant lady. It is a full on strip show. I yeah. mean, they're taking the no, kids. No, it's adult content. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm thinking, and then, you know, anthropology came out this week. Tons of women posted about it there. You know, they had this man in all of their new dresses and mm-hmm. he's twirling. And of course it's a black man and he's twirling. I have my whole other uh, theory about that, but he's twirling and these, and, and, and everybody's screaming at anthropology. Stop we are your customers. So what you just told us is that flat chested, tall, skinny, Mm -hmm. no curve people look great in that dress, but all of us women, we shouldn't buy it. Right. No, It's a weird thing. So they're trying to make women masculine and men feminine. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, is there some kind of blackmail that's going on where they're, they're saying, if you don't add this content, if you don't put this in, if you don't have a man model your clothes or send your kids or, uh, you know, upload this drag queen, then I'm thinking, what is behind this driving force to just shove this? Yeah. So uh, I know we're getting way off course, but I I think that welcome to, I think that these corporations, so, and this is no slam on Democrats or progressives, but it's a slam. Um, I think that, you know, um, you know, like when you watch Howard Schultz, who is a billionaire by Starbucks, he grew up poor. Mm -hmm. He's lived the American dream. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't understand why all my, he's, he considers himself a Democrat. Why you guys all hate me Mm. and think I'm terrible. And it's because there's legitimate hatred on the left. Uh, Marxism is a part of the left. Like we should all equally be poor. And, and for everyone out there who thinks Marxism, communism, great. I was sitting at uh, the graduation party and one of the families in our church is Romanian. And she was just talking about her childhood in communist mm-hmm. Romania. And it blew my mind. Her mother worked for a secret grocery store. Wow. And do you know why that is? Because the powerful elite in these communist countries where we all share, they don't want to live poor like everybody yeah. else. And <laughs> so guess space. what they do? <laughs> they create a system where they get to have what the rest of the world wow. has and they suppress and keep everybody poor in the name of equality. Mm-hmm. But the elite have a different lifestyle. Here's the thing: at least capitalism's honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, communism is a lie. It, it's not true. And so she was just saying that. Um, you know, she, she was just saying it, it wasn't true. And so, so what's happened here is I think the left, these corporations have made a deal with the left. You'll let us keep making this money. Yeah. As long as we promote this agenda, mm-hmm. and I think that I think that's what's happened mm-hmm. is because they want to keep them. You remember the one percenters and all the protests mm-hmm. when Obama was in president. We have, we don't see that anymore. Have you noticed yeah, that? Right. It's all gone. Well, I think there was some background deals that said if you'll promote our agenda, we'll let you keep making your your billions and your millions. And, and, and what's so sad is that's the deal with the devil. I mean, and in the end, they still hate profits. They still hate corporations. They still hate business. And um, 
you know, and it's what's happening in, in, in California. We're going to drive out all of the business. I think in Rancho Cucamonga, they just said every gas station has to put in a, uh, a hydrogen pump. I think it's, it's $140,000 per gas station. Oh, my gosh. So imagine if you're in a poor area of San Bernardino. Right. Nobody's pumping hydrogen. <laughs> right. You just spent one hundred forty grand for oh, nothing. No. Right. For nothing. And, and, and that's the problem is these politicians just invent this stuff and say, you know, you got to do that. Wow, we, we're going crazy. So, it's awesome. Donna, bring us back. Save I'm us. bringing us back. All right. Okay, parents, you can now listen with your children. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Alejandra and Menifee says, I feel as though I've used my spiritual gifting in the roles I've served in. There's been a few throughout my time at Sandals. I've experienced some hurt recently that I'm having a difficult time navigating. I am in council in a group praying and doing what I think is correct so that I can move forward. At the end of the day, I want to do God's will as difficult as that can be. How can I serve and use my gifts after experiencing hurt within the church? Yeah, so, I mean, hurt is a part of the church. Uh, I would say this, uh, Alejandra, I don't think anybody's been hurt more at Sandals than me. Mm. I, I, I just, people are hard. Um, I mean, Alejandra, I, I, I live in this city. I have to walk around. I have to hang my head high. I go to grocery stores, games. I, I mean, people People are just, people are, <laughs> Can't imagine. People are terrible. And... Um, you know, I mean, there are people that think that think I'm just awful, and and it's it's I you know I, I'm not perfect, but I've tried. I've tried hard to be a good leader. Um, I've tried hard to lovingly lead, and <clears throat> you know, and um, and oh, by the way, at seminary, there's no management training. There's no leadership <laughs> training. I, I had no business understanding. Um, and leading and managing people is the hardest thing. People are hard, and so I'm sorry. What I would encourage you to do is never let your hurt from someone else get in the way of your love and service to your king. Mm -hmm. And and that's at the end of the day. Um, people are hard. People are hurtful. And religious people, we have to remember religious people crucified Christ. That's right. It wasn't the pagans. It wasn't people at a bar. It wasn't people at uh, Coachella. <laughs> it was people in a church. Yeah. And, but you are not excused to let that person get in the way of, of your service. You know, the Apostle Paul calls out those two women, uh, Syntyche and what are their names? The two women that can't get along. Uh, They're mm. co-laborers. Yeah, it's, I think it's in the book of, <clears throat> uh, I think it's Ephesians. Euodia? Yeah, Euodia and Syntyche. Yeah. So these are two church leaders, probably two ministers mm -hmm. um, in the church, and he and they can't, they can't get along. Mm -hmm. And the Apostle Paul, in a letter in the Bible, says... Get along. You've both served the Lord. Um, there are hurt feelings, um, you know, and, and, and again, one of the things going around is that I always criticize women. So I'm sorry that that's a female example, but those are two <laughs> women in the Bible. They get called out by name. Okay. So let me be fair. The, the apostle Paul and Barnabas can't agree. Yeah. And there's hurt feelings there. And they separate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and it happens. So Alejandra, um, here's what I would encourage you to do in counseling. You got to figure out what your part was. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if you don't, you're just, you're just, you're never going to heal. And so what I've tried to learn in every situation, when somebody has said, I did something awful, I just said, okay, Lord, show me what I did wrong. And I try to own that. And I try to apologize. Sometimes it makes things better. I've had people, it makes it worse. Mm -hmm. Like I apologize and it makes it worse. I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Um, because then they're like, yeah, see, I knew you were a sinner. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So I'm so sorry. Um, you know, here's the beauty at uh, uh, Sandals. We have 14 campuses. If it's so bad, go to another campus. Mm. That, that's the beauty. And we've done that. We've asked families to move campuses because sometimes what you need is a little space. Mm -hmm. 
and we need to leave room for the Holy Spirit to to work things out. Um, you know, sometimes my wife and I don't agree. Things are very, very difficult. Things are very, very hard. And we have to work through that because we see something in a particular way. So let me just say that I don't care what you're involved in. There, you're if, if people are involved, there's going to be hurt. Yeah. I don't care if it's little league work, uh, charity work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you name it. People hurt people because we're hurting, and and, and that's just the reality. And so I, I'm so so sorry. Um, I just would say keep using your gifts. Um, you know, and so here's the thing is, I don't know your situation. So if I get a text or email from a pastor, um, you know, that says otherwise, because sometimes, I mean, I've met with people who said they've been very, very hurt. And I'm not saying this is your, this is true in your case, Alejandra. And, but then I hear the story and I'm like, wow, you, you're the person that's hurting people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, so make sure you've owned your part and, and do what you can to make it right. And if you can't, then ultimately I would just serve God at another campus or if, you know, sandals might not be the place for you. I mean, sometimes we, we just, I hate to say this, but sometimes you, you got to go to another church mm-hmm. and um, that sucks. It kills me when people leave. I don't like it, but I realize now as I'm 51 years old, sometimes the Lord has to move you someplace else to, in order for him to get you to where you can listen. That's right. And, um, you know, I mean, think about if that wasn't true, I wouldn't know you and Devo. Yep. Like, so like the, on that end, I got the blessing, you know, Thanks. but sometimes we, we, we lose. Yeah. And so, and when I, you know, just to say, when I was first here, I mean, I sat in the back of our campus for a year. Mm. I was so yeah. burnt. I'm sorry. And I mean, Chris and our campus pastor, Chris, he gave me the grace almost a year, probably not. I mean, people probably didn't even know I was Diva's wife. I just came in, I sat down and I left. And through that time, what I appreciate what you just said is that the Lord just showed me I had really bad boundaries. Mm. Like I just had bad boundaries when it came to ministry and relationships. And I didn't, you know, there was so many things that I was involved in um, that he had never called me to. And I Mm. was uh, trying to find community in the way of overexerting myself. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, that was my part. Their part was it's Donna's gifts, not Donna. But my part was I had really bad boundaries. Yeah, and man, I, that's, was, I feel like you're preaching to me. Yeah. Because I, I would say most of Tammy and I's church hurt, honestly, Alejandra and Donna, came from a lack of boundaries. Mm-hmm. We let people in and yeah. we did things that we, we shouldn't have done in the name of being Christ-like. Even Jesus right. took breaks. Yeah, Even Jesus absolutely. took off. And so, um, and, and so that's the part of the thing, Alejandra, that I hope that, you can own is okay. What was my part in this process? Um, because you know, people, again, people can only repeatedly hurt you if you have a failure to That's have boundaries. Right. So, I mean, people can hurt you once and you're like, right. okay, that, okay. <laughs> right. But if you, if it's something that repeatedly happens, that's a boundary issue, which ultimately is a you issue. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I hate so to throw that on you, Alejandro. I know, we're, yeah. we're, but yeah. And don't allow, I love that you said that this, these are people, people are fault, flawed and flawed. Yes. I mean, and, and including me, including me and don't allow that to silence your gift. We yeah. need your gift. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Okay, Janelle in Anaheim says, in your sermon, you said that men and women could learn from one another and that we need each other. Regarding discipleship, would you recommend that men only disciple men and women only disciple women? Or is there a space where we could come together to learn from one another in that capacity? Right. So specifically, um, you know, uh, so the issue is, did we say it was 1 Timothy um, chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, that a woman should not have authority over a man? 
So, so here's what makes that verse so hard to understand. So in, in most translations, it's translated authority, but it's a really rare Greek word. I think we only have record, not just in the Bible, but in all Greek manuscripts from everywhere from that time. I think we see it used four times. Mm. So the word is authenteo. Um, and again, I don't have my notes in front of me. That's the Greek word. It probably doesn't mean authority. Mm. So here's my take on it, um, Janelle. I think that, and we, and I don't know this, so I, I want to put a big asterisk here. I don't know this. I can't prove this, but I think Timothy was preaching in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. Ephesus was an extraordinarily difficult place to pastor. The Apostle Paul doesn't say, like I've reminded you before, as you've heard me taught. He's not reminding Timothy. This feels like a new teaching. Mm-hmm. Women must be silent in the church, right? They must not have authentic over a man. Mm-hmm. I think there was a problem in the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is the cult of Artemis. Artemis worships a female deity in their teaching. The woman was made first and the man was made second. Mm-hmm. Exactly the opposite of what the Bible teaches. That's why I think there's that really weird thing um, right. where he says man was created first, right. Eve was created second, and then he says, and Eve was deceived I think that, and so here's the, here's the thing is, when you go to Romans 5, Paul doesn't even mention Eve. Mm-hmm. It's Adam, 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 Adam. So Romans 5 is theological for the church of all time. Adam sinned and we fell. I think he's making a point and he's irritated with these women in Ephesus because to, he, he says that they, they got to get pregnant and have babies. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Nowhere in scripture does it say that. Matter of fact, in first Corinthians chapter seven, Paul tells them to not get married. Right. So he says the exact opposite thing. So, so here, here's one of those issues. What do we do? I think there was a problem with women in the church in Ephesus that got out of control. Um, they were, they were, and I think authenteo probably should be translated dominate. Mm-hmm. Have you ever met a woman who dominates mm-hmm. her husband? Mm-hmm. That is the sin. Mm-hmm. I think that's the sin that that Paul is calling out. I've seen multiple times where weak men are dominated yeah. by their wives. And Paul is saying, I think, this is my humble opinion, it should not be translated authority. Some translations will say, shall not usurp. So they put mm-hmm. the adjective usurp in there, and then they use the word authority. I think, I think it should be translated dominate. So like dominatrix, right? Mm-hmm. This is... This is a problem where a man is operating like a slave. Right. And, and so the women were running the church mm-hmm. and Paul is saying, no, 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 no. And that's why he gives the text to say, men must be elders. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to control mm-hmm. their families. Mm-hmm. Like, so this is a problem. So we have women that are out of control. They don't want to have babies. They don't want to get married. Mm-hmm. And Paul in frustration, because he's a human being, is saying, Timothy, you need to nip this in the bud. I think that's where that comes from. Everywhere in scripture, as I talked about um, Janelle, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, mm-hmm. they speak to Apollo. Priscilla's name is mentioned first. Priscilla is the theologian. Priscilla yeah. is the teacher. Right. She's the one instructing mm-hmm. Apollos, who, by the way, this will blow your mind. Apollos was so famous, he rivaled Paul for authority. Right. Priscilla pulled Apollos aside into her own home and said, let me teach you a better way. Mm-hmm. She taught him. Mm-hmm. She was a teacher in the first century church. And so I think the best way to understand that is there was a specific problem in Ephesus. Yeah. It was a personal letter to a pastor. And the church historically, unfortunately, has interpreted that for everyone in all time. 
And so you say, well, it's the word of God. Okay, but the Apostle Paul also tells Timothy to drink wine for his stomach. Right. Is that for all time? So every time you have a stomach, don't get Pepto-Bismol, get a, get a glass of wine. Right. So we have to exercise judgment mm-hmm. when to interpret passages for all time. So Phoebe, um, and I don't know if I, I explain this. So when the Apostle Paul sends Epaphroditus, when the Apostle Paul sends Timothy, when he sends Titus, he is sending not just a uh, UPS worker, not just right. an Amazon worker. Right. He's sending a someone to, to deliver yeah. the letter and to answer the questions. Mm-hmm. So when Paul sends Phoebe to the church in Rome with the most important theological book of all time, she is teaching the men how to interpret and understand Romans. Mm-hmm. So here's what I would say is, if a woman knows more than a man, she should instruct him. Mm-hmm. A woman should never dominate emasculate. That's what I think Paul is talking about. Humiliate. And as a woman, we, we you have to be so careful that you don't emasculate your man, mm-hmm. that you don't usurp his God-given masculinity as a strong woman. And here's the thing, the stronger the woman you are, Donna, <laughs> the more you have to work at this. In the same way, if you're a strong man, that's right. you cannot be harsh, Paul says, with your wife. You must treat her as God's gift to you. And so Paul admonishes men to to love her. And he he uses the word as a weaker vessel, not as in second class, but you're bigger, stronger. Mm -hmm. So be careful. And so, so yes, I think women can and should teach and lead men when they are gifted and more educated. Um, You know, Fredo was talking about how grateful he was this weekend in the message for a female scholar Mm -hmm. who taught him. Yeah. And that's so important. So, And he also addressed <clears throat> in the message as well, this idea that we need to get back to this brother and sister yeah. um, relationship in the body of Christ, that we can instruct, we can learn from each other as brothers and sister in Christ, yeah. and it can be um, beautiful and yeah. needed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think the, the Apostle Paul's frustrated there. He's, he's going back to Genesis 3 and 4, where, you know, and, and we don't know how to translate that passage in Hebrew. It says that your man will rule over you and your desire will be for him. It's very, it's old Hebrew. It's very, very hard. But I think that there's a there's a sinful tendency in strong women to want to overstep yeah, and overshadow absolutely. their men. And I think that's what was happening in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And Paul says that is not okay. Yeah. And, and in their cultural context, just like in today's cultural context, we're more like Ephesus today. Mm-hmm than we are like the 1950s. Mm-hmm. So I, I think today men are weak, men are emasculated, men don't know what to do. And so we need to help build them up as women have risen. You know, the guy who wrote The Boy Crisis, have you read that book? No. Fantastic. He said, you know, he, this will just, and I've said this before on the show, when he graduated from UCLA and I think 1972, there was not one woman who graduated. He was asked to come back and speak as one of the leading champions of the feminist movement. And by the way, feminism is broken because now we can't even say what a woman is. It's just, it's so broken, the whole mm-hmm. movement. Um, he, he said there was not one man that was graduating with a PhD. Wow. So, he's, he's like, so, so we need to help men. And I love Jordan Peterson, what he said is we need to have the courage to say that our educational system is failing boys. Yeah. Rather than trying to make boys sit like girls... Because there is a difference between femininity and masculinity. That's right. We need to understand. Did you know that in Finland, kids only go to school for 20 hours a day? They're number one in education. Are we, 
20 a hours week, a day? Sorry, 20 oh, hours no. a week. <laughs> sorry, 20 hours a week. They spend half the time in the classroom that we do in America. Wow. And they let their kids play. They let their kids yeah. get out. Mm-hmm. And their kids outproduce American students. And, and part of the problem is, though, is we've turned education into daycare. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. and we just like, we have to have these, uh, we have to have like, ugly conversations. Like, okay, I get that you got free daycare so you can go to work, but kids, y- you guys know when you're fried, Yeah, absolutely. like you're, you're done. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what do you do when you're a kid and, and you, you are where you don't want to be, you check out and you just get That's in, you daughter. either, you either, you either lash out through behavior That's or right. you zone out, Yeah, <clears throat> but they're, they're not going to pay attention. And then it frustrates teachers. It creates this whole problem. Uh, you know, I have all kinds of opinions about what we need. What we need to be doing is not helping kids discover their gender. Right. We need to help them discover their gift. Yeah. And, um, and, and a lot of that's outside. Yeah, absolutely. So somewhere else. All right. All right. Great Um, question. So yes, I, I think a woman should teach uh, and should lead. Um, you know, most of the time, what's her name? Janelle. Janelle, most of the time men are going to be a better leader. And here's why masculinity in its biology, men are more disagreeable. What do you have to be to be a leader? Disagreeable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what a leader says. I'm not following you. I'm doing what I want to (laughs) do. Right. Some women are disagreeable and they have, excuse me, leadership qualities. So for for the most part, men are going to make better leaders, but women can lead. And when they do, you know, let them lead. Let them lead. Amen. All right. Nathan from Riverside says, where did you get that Lydia ran the synagogue? The scriptures in Acts 16, 14 only call her a worshiper. Nothing seems to imply that she had authority. Right. Thank you, Nathan. So I don't know that we're going to have to go back and find, did I say that? Oh, uh, okay. I read this wrong. Where did you get that Lydia ran the synagogue? Okay. So I did say that. Okay. Okay. I, I was, when I read that, Nathan, I'm so sorry. I read that you were saying that I called her a rabbi. So that's what I was reading into your question. See how I can get it wrong? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Not only can I get your answer wrong, Nathan, I can get the question <laughs> wrong. <clears throat> okay. Sorry, guys. My lovely allergies are kicking in. So where did you get that Lydia ran <clears throat> the synagogue? Nathan, I am so sorry. From the scriptures. That's where I got it. <laughs> okay. So nothing seems to imply that she had authority. Okay. Read with me, Nathan. I don't have it in front of me. It says... That when she became a Christian, so she was a God-fearer, she was a woman who dealt in purple. Mm-hmm. couple of things. Number one, her husband's not mentioned. No man is mentioned. So what that means is she operates as the head of her household. Mm-hmm. So right there, Nathan, between the lines, and I, and I know it's cultural, we're, we're missing that. It's saying she's the leader. She runs a business. She doesn't just run a business. She runs a very important business. She's a very wealthy person. How wealthy? So wealthy that she invites the apostles to come and stay with her in her home, which means she had a villa, which means she's loaded. Mm -hmm. Okay? So the first church in Philippi, guess where it started? Her house. That's That's how wealthy she was. In the ancient world, Nathan, you don't go into somebody's house and have authority. So when the apostle Paul goes to her house, guess who's in charge? She is. She is. It's her home. She has slaves, she has workers, she has a household. Listen to this, Nathan. When she converts, who converts with her? Her Read it in the text. The entire oikos converts. She's in authority. Mm -hmm. So who's running, not the synagogue, but the gathering of women at the river? She is. Mm -hmm. So she's already operating as a de facto leader. She is the leader at the river. It's why her name is mentioned. 
It's why she's called out. It's why she says, come and meet at my home. So, um, so as a Jewish woman, she thinks, I, I, I probably can't operate as a rabbi, so we're going to meet down by the river for prayer. Paul is New Testament. He's like, oh, you can lead. Mm-hmm. So let's take this river gathering. Let's go to your, home, to your home and let's start a church. And that's where the church starts. And she would have functioned. And, it, and I'm not going to say pastor because that's controversial. She would have functioned as the minister of the mm-hmm. church of Philippi. So there's your, and she's in charge and she understands it. So let me blow your minds. You guys ready for your minds to be blown? Again, yes. So <laughs> um, Episcopos is overseer. Mm-hmm. Guess how you could translate that? Manager. Manager. Yeah. So she functions as mm. the manager of the church. Mm-hmm. So see, so, so if I don't say overseer, it's, it's, it's not, but if I say manager, we're all like, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but the word overseer means she managed it. Yeah. So, and it's why when I talked about, uh, Shuza, so who was the manager of the household of Herod, she's running the show. Right. So it's, it's an important role. And, and so here's where Nathan, we're wrong. So we talk a lot about race, uh, in gender in our country. We don't talk about class. And let me give you an example. So I was watching LeBron James last night with his button way too low. I'm like, dude, you're, you're like 40 years old. I don't need to see your navel while you're talking. Uh, I thought AD was looking cool though. AD's still young enough to try to pull that off. And LeBron looked good. But here's the thing. So in our country, we talk a lot about how black people are disenfranchised and have been mistreated and are poor because of racism. True. We talk about how wisdom, wid, women are, right, been disenfranchised because of sexism and are, are suppressed. True, historically. Here's the thing we're missing. We miss the conversation of class. Yep. Who is more privileged, Donna? LeBron James' children or mine? <laughs> LeBron James' children. Yes, and it's not right. even yeah. close. Yeah, absolutely. So in our conversation of race, we forget. And so why do people like Oprah and LeBron and all these other uber successful black people get so passionate about BLM? Because they know they're elite. They are uber, uber elite. LeBron James is more wealthy than 99.99% of white people in this <laughs> right. country. Right. We have, we need to talk about race. We need to talk about gender. We got to talk about class. That's right. Lydia is upper class. Mm-hmm. And so guess what that means? She handles her business. Mm-hmm. And men in a patriarchal, male-dominated society, work for her, answer for her, follow her. Mm -hmm. And we don't have room for that because we constantly live in this binary thinking. And there were exceptions then, there are exceptions now. Are a lot of black people poor? Are a lot of black people mistreated? Absolutely. Is that true for Oprah? Is that true for LeBron? No. No, (laughs) it is not. It is absolutely not. You know, I'm lucky if I get upgraded to business class. LeBron has his own plane. Right. (laughs) Like it's a different stratosphere. Lydia's in a different stratosphere. And so the Apostle Paul will challenge that, right? So when you're taking the Lord's Supper, make sure the poor people eat. Mm-hmm. A lot of us fail to realize, like our, my whole childhood, I thought, oh, at 1 Corinthians 11, I got to confess my sin. He's saying, hey, are there hungry people yeah. as we're sharing the Lord's feast? Yeah. Have Give you fed them? them? Right. You know, and don't flaunt your wealth at church, you know, which, right? So think black culture. What do we do? The exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. We show our very best at church. And so I said, we. Like, yeah, because you you're in it. You're I just in made it. myself black. Um, <laughs> so, so we have to understand that he did challenge rich people, but he acknowledged systems 
and cultures, mm-hmm. even like the uh, the family codes that he gives in Ephesians 5, they're adopted Greco-Roman family codes that he then softens and challenges. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, a woman must submit, well, that was Greco-Roman culture, but then, right, he he works within the culture and then he pushes them and he says, now guys, mm-hmm. love your wife. Mm-hmm. Think about sex. This always cracks me up. First Corinthians chapter 6 um, he says, husbands, you have to have sex with your wives. Right. <laughs> like, wh- and why was that? Because in that culture, you had sex with your slaves. You had sex with, with prostitutes. Your wife's purpose was to make babies. Hmm. And he's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You need, like, isn't that funny? Can you imagine some, all of the wives in our church, honey, read this passage. <laughs> you have to have sex with me. Because in our culture, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Hmm. Men in our culture tend to complain about a lack of sex. In Paul's day, it was opposite because men saw their wives as a tool for making babies. And if you're not making a baby, then you don't meet her sexual needs. And so there's just so much in here, Nathan, that we we um, we, we have to really, really understand the times. So she, so it's all right there, Nathan. She is. And it's, so it's not a synagogue. So let me you are yeah. correct. If I said synagogue, I was incorrect. It is a gathering of Jewish women at the river. But she's functioning as a de facto rabbi for those people. And mm-hmm. why is that? Because she's a major player in Philippi. Mm-hmm. She's a major player. And so then, and how do we know this? Because the Apostle Paul identifies her. She invites them to their house and they follow. And they go. And they're a part of her leadership. And the church is founded with a woman. And yeah. it's fantastic. And it, it's great. So so I apologize, Nathan, for not being more clear. Thank you for keeping me on my toes. Great, great question. That was a great question. Thanks. Okay, here's another one. Heather in Riverside. I am not a Christian. However, I listen to your podcast every day, bit by bit. Thank you. I am, however, interested and would love to find peace. How Mm. did you become so devoted to an entity that you cannot see or feel? How do you devote yourself to something that allows for hurt, pain, and sorrow? How do you accept the losses that God takes from us? Sorry, I know that's three Mm. questions, but they are specific. And I am not trying to be rude or disrespectful. These are the things I struggle with when it comes to devotion and dedication to mm, God. Mm. He took my children. He took my dad. Why? I'm so sorry, Heather, for your loss. Mm. And, I, and I apologize. Um, so I am not a Christian. However, I listen to your podcast every day, mm. bit by bit. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. And Sandals Church was started for you. Can I just can I just say this? Um, someone was, you know, my, and just pray for my kids. My kids... My kids have a hard life. Um, People love to pick on them, Mm -hmm. talk to them uh, about all my questions. And someone was challenging my son. You know, why does your dad got to do a series, she, her? Why why can't he, why can't he just, why does he always have to do something to get people to talk about it? Here's why. If people aren't talking about sermons, they're not talking about God. Yeah. Sandals Mm -hmm. is not a church for boring, run in the mill, keep it the same way, run the same play Christians. I did not start Sandals Church for church people. I started Sandals Church for people like Heather. And she, her, and pronouns is a conversation in our culture, and we are having it at our church. And I think that's good, right, and true. And every church has to do what they feel fit. I feel feel called to lead a Christian movement to speak into culture, Mm -hmm. not to build a castle. And this is what the church historically has done time and time again. Monasteries were created because the church ran from culture. We're going to build a castle. We're all going to go inside. We're going to be totally holy while the world goes to hell. (laughs) Yeah. Sandals Church is not a castle. Sandals Church is a bridge. And we are trying to connect with lost people. And when church people don't get it, I got it. That's why I left your church and started Sandals Church. Because you don't get it. And so I'm sorry. 
Uh, one day you're going to talk to the Lord and he's not going to want to know how holy you are. He's, he's going to want to know who's in heaven because of you. Mm-hmm. Who did you bring? So uh, why is it she, her? Because it's, it's, a, it's a current conversation and the church should be engaging in it, not just building a castle, waiting for the Lord to take us away, you know, so our clothes can drop on the ground and our car can <laughs> crash and the plane can crash so we can all get out of here. We have right. a command. I want to do a series right. in the fault called Commander's Intent. And uh, in the army, um, we, we were trained this over and over again because you have to know what the commander's intent is because the plan goes to hell as soon as the war starts. Mm. Yeah. Mike Tyson said it this way. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> so what is the commander's intent? And so what's happening? The church is getting punched in the face. And what are we doing? We're retreating and voting. So good. So you, you, don't, you, don't, change, you don't change anybody. You want to know how you change America's view on abortion? You win them to Christ. Yeah. You don't try to take away a woman's right to choose. You try to get her to choose Christ. That's how we save babies. That's how we change the world. And I'm against abortion. I think abortion is wrong. But we are constantly trying to make unregenerate people Christians. It doesn't work. They're doing what they're supposed to do, sin. Our job is to save sinners. So Heather, sorry for that. Let me get back to you. (laughs) Um, You are interested in how to find love and peace. Me too. Uh, How did you become so defeated to an entity you cannot see or feel? I do see him and I do feel him. Mm -hmm. And I, I hope and pray that you can see him and feel him. And people say, you've seen God. Yes, it was terrifying and beautiful. I've seen him. I feel him constantly. Not only that, Heather, but I can feel when I don't feel him. Yeah. I don't just feel his presence. I feel his absence and it terrifies me. And um, I would just say this to you, Heather, God is real. So how do you devote your something that allows for hurt, pain, and sorrow? Um, Hurt, pain, and sorrow allow contrast. The only reason we know what good is is because we experience bad. You cannot, so there's this great book, Heather, called uh, the C.S. Lewis Space Trilogy, and it's fantastic. It's it's just as fake as the Left Behind series, but it's fantastic. And so this guy, this guy Ransom, goes to another planet, so get this, and he's trying to convince the Adam and Eve of that planet not mm-hmm. to sin. How do you describe sin and yeah. evil to someone who doesn't know what it is? He can't. Mm -hmm. And so the eve of that planet walks away with him because she's bored, because she has no idea what he's talking about because there is no contrast. Mm -hmm. Her eyes had not been opened. She did not eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan is literally standing there while this character Ransom is trying to convince her. And she says he looks fine to me Mm. because she doesn't know evil. And so, Heather, the only way we can know joy is when we know hurt and pain. The only way we can know celebration is when we know sorrow. And so this life is providing contrast for the next life. So hmm. your next three questions are specific. Um, he took your children. I'm so sorry. God knows your pain. He lost a child and his name was Jesus. It's why the crucifixion is so important mm-hmm. because what you experienced is the worst pain on earth. It's the worst loss. God felt that loss so that you could feel him. Uh, he took your dad. I'm so sorry. And let me just say this. Sin took your children. Sin took your dad. God is not responsible for sin or the consequences of sin. He allows it Mm -hmm. because he said to Eve, if you eat, you surely will die. He warned us and God, God is true. So God is, you know, occasionally God, like in, 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 uh, Genesis nine, where God judges the earth, God does things, but those are, um, those are not the norm. Those are specific ways in which God intervenes. And so 
Um, when God takes a life, it's just as extraordinary as rare as a miracle. So that it's the opposite. God mm-hmm. is intervening in the normal course of things. So why do people normally die? Because of sin, mm-hmm. because of the sin of someone else. You know, why does God allow murder? Because he allows freedom and people who are free and are evil can commit murder. acts mm-hmm. of evil. So, so I would just challenge you, Heather. I would say this, you lost your children and you lost your dad and I'm sorry. And so in my book coming out next year, um, Heather, I answer this very question. Why? I think why is a very, very dangerous question. It's the last thing Jesus asks before he dies on the cross. He says, Lama, Lama, which in in, uh, Aramaic is why, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, Heather, there's no answer. So there's a book in the Bible called Lamentations. Do you want to know what the book's name is in Hebrew? To lament is to grieve. Mm -hmm. That's not its name in Hebrew. It's echa, how. How am I going to get through this? Mm -hmm. So a better question is how. And so here's how, Heather, with the help of God. So what happened when Jesus said, Father, please take this cup from me. God sent an angel to minister to him. So I don't know why you lost your children. I don't know why you lost your dad. Here's how I know how God can make himself real to you. He can send an angel to minister to you and to strengthen you. Sometimes those are actual angels from heaven, and sometimes they are angels from Mm -hmm. earth. And what I mean by that, the word angel, Heather, is messenger. I am a messenger of God. I am an angelos. I'm not from heaven, but I can be a messenger uh, to you from heaven and and to care for you. So I'm so sorry for your suffering. And let me just say this. um, There are some pains on this earth that will not be healed until Mm -hmm. heaven. They, They just won't. Um, you know, and it's like after 9-11, I remember some Christian was saying, God works all things for good to the glory of those who love. And I said, tell that to the people jumping off the 80th floor. Mm. There is some evil in this world that will not be healed on this side of heaven. So how will God make work everything work for good? He's going to conform us to the image of his son. Amen. We will be changed, Heather, when he returns in the twinkling of an eye in a second we will be changed and we will become like him and we will know things like him. And in that moment, Heather, if you have called out to God, and this is what I would say, God, help me to believe in you. Mm-hmm. Help me. Help me to see you. Help me to feel you. Help me to experience you. Because here's the thing. The, Jesus said that God is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth. You think you are looking for God, Heather. Here's what the Bible says. God is looking for you. Yeah. And he will find you if you want to be found. And so here's what I would challenge you. I think you have to wrestle, do I want answers or do I want the answer, God? And so I think the answer is God. He, he does not owe you answers any more than he owes me answers. He didn't answer his own son. Mm-hmm. Why, Dad, did you forsake me? Silence. Mm-hmm. And so why is that, Heather? Um, you know, I talk about this in my book too. Man, I'm spoiling my book. But, you know, my grandmother was 91 years old and she was so frustrated that God wouldn't take her home. And she said, what is God trying to teach me? And I said that you're not God. Mm-hmm. Even at 91, Grandma, you are not God. Mm-hmm. And he gets to decide when we go. Mm-hmm. And that is frustrating, and that is painful, and it's awful. But God is God. He's God. And he's not God if he does what we say. Then we're God. That's right. And, um, you know, so I'm so sorry, Heather, but um, I just want you to know that God is real. And for anybody else out there that's listening who's not a Christian, let me just say this. Thank you so much. You honor me so much when you listen, when you seek, 
And again, we're trying to build a church for unchurched people. And all of our church friends, I know, I know your friends. <laughs> they go to church and they're so conservative and they're just a little worried about what we're doing. And that's because we're not trying to reach them. Mm-hmm. We're trying to reach lost people, which is the commander's intent. Jesus didn't say in Matthew 28, go ye therefore and gather people from other churches to your building. That's right. He said, go ye therefore unto all the nations and reach lost people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he said, and lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age, even when other Christians criticize you for what you're trying to do. Um, please, Sandals listeners, debrief listeners, know that this podcast is for Heather. This podcast is for people who are far from God. This Everything we're doing at church is we're trying to reach people because we are on a plane that's gone down and it's on fire and there's one exit and here's the thing, everybody at all the churches around us, they already know where the exit is. I mm-hmm. don't have to worry about them. Yeah, absolutely. I have to help save them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my part is I point to the exit and mm-hmm. his name is Jesus. And it doesn't Amen. matter if you're a Buddhist, Muslim, atheist, gay, straight, or trans, that's the exit. Mm-hmm. And, and, and oh, by the way, it's not just running out of a burning plane. It's following a living God. And you know, I mean, we don't talk about that enough. Salvation is not just not going to hell. It's about wanting to go to heaven. Yeah. And, um, you know, so and good. so, and let me say this, Heather, you know, um, p- part of what we need to understand is, um, and I, we, we could do a whole series on hell and, and what it is or isn't, but the primary thing that hell is, is exile. And, and part of that, Heather, is we're living in that now. We have been exiled. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden. We currently are exiles. We have been driven out of the Garden of Eden that was perfect, and so we are suffering and struggling because we are not where we were meant to be. We were meant to be in the Garden with God forever, and so we suffer and struggle, and there's pain and suffering, and Adam and Eve experienced this. As soon as they left the Garden, they lost a son. And why did they lose a son? Because their other son killed him. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just just very, very difficult, and um, it's very, very hard. So let me, let me just close by, I want to pray for Heather and yeah, for any absolutely. other listener that's like, I don't think you're real, God, um, because God is real. And Heather, God thinks you're real, and he knows you, um, and, and he loves you. So I'm so sorry for your kids. I'm so sorry for your dad. I'm so sorry for your loss. I don't know why, but I know how. Mm-hmm. I know how you can get through it, and that's with God. So let's pray for Heather uh, and, and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of those who are far from you, and I'm so grateful, Lord, that you have given me the privilege of speaking to people who don't yet know you. I pray that Heather would come to, to feel you, experience you. I pray, Lord, that in her hurt, she could turn to you and be healed. Lord, Jesus, you, you sent your son, Lord Jesus, um, on the cross, not just to die for her, but to heal her, to heal her broken heart and save her broken soul. And so I just pray for all of our listeners that, that don't yet know you. I pray that they would feel you in a real way. I pray that they would see you in a real way. And I pray, God, that they would come to faith um, and I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the debrief podcast with Matt Brown. If you would like to submit a question to the show, you can do so by going to move.sc forward slash ask or on the Sandals Church app. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the debrief podcast with Matt Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, consider liking, subscribing, and sharing it with a friend. If you would like to submit a question to Pastor Matt, you can do so at move.sc slash ask. And if you would like to support the work we are doing, consider donating at donate.sc. Thank you again and have a blessed day.